Mr. Troy Cook, <laughs> thanks for coming on, my friend. Did you love that the little clap at the start? That's yeah, my new that. thing from the last episode. Yeah, it's cool. How you doing, man? You good? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. What's been going on? What's been going on in your life recently? That's a, yeah, crazy, crazy period in my life at the moment. Um, yeah, moving in between two countries, businesses, dogs, you know, relationships. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. You back? You back fully for Christmas now? Yeah. yeah. Where, whereabouts in Spain are you based normally? Normally based in Ibiza. Ibiza. Mm. <laughs> Living the best life. Yeah. What is it you do over there? You have a full-time business out there, don't you? Yeah. In, um, in 2022, uh, we opened a cafe in Santa Lara, in Ibiza. And uh, I was already living there before. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, since then, just being based out there, building the cafe up. I'm sure we'll get into, you know, the history of yeah. how we got there. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, we, we, we're a coffee house, coffee house with a kick. We serve juices, um, cafe, obviously. I love and, that. Uh, yeah. And you know, Joe from home, I'm guessing from down the jo- Surrey. Joe's, right? yeah, Joe's my default, you know, old, <laughs> old, oldest friend, you know. How long have you known him now? Joe, I've, I've, I'd say most of our lives. So <coughs> I'd say I'm slightly older than Troy. So I'll probably, we're probably. Just a year. Yeah, I mean, like a couple of years old, we would have known each other from oh, really? for the last like, so twenty five plus years. Yeah, our, our, our parents went to um, went university. to uni university together. In terms of mental health as a whole, obviously the podcast based around well being, <laughs> mental health mainly. That was a, Joe was my first guest, so it's kind of come full circle now. We're on. Yeah. Is it episode eleven now? Episode eleven, and then yeah. chat shows episode six. Mate, that's episode gone. One. That's wow. gone quick. We episode one. <laughs> mate, we're flying through. Can you just tell everyone a bit about your story and the sort of relation you have to mental health and why you're on today? Yeah, it's yeah, it's a good question. It's um, uh, I, I would say I I, I wouldn't I didn't necessarily have a completely conventional upbringing. My 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 childhood was great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. You know, I had an amazing place to live food on my table um so but in terms of like a nuclear conventional family i I, I don't think that's what i had at Mm. all so i think i first sort of experienced you know the feeling of being slightly different from a very very young age you know with anxiety going to school and not having the conventions you know of a mother and a father um and the perfect you know family home um and yeah, obviously been speaking with Joe, you know, for quite some time about expressing myself and, you know, talking about my side of things. And uh, yeah, he's he's doing what he's doing now. It's just amazing. And when he said, you know, come and share your thoughts and obviously I'm going to bite his hand off for that because mm. it's just amazing to be able to sit here and, you know, talk openly about my experience. And, you know, Joe knows, you know, full well about the challenges that I've gone through. Um, and uh, yeah. That's uh, that's where we are now. Do you find it nice that you, in a way, obviously what people have gone through is really tough, but do you find a bit of, you know, comfort in that knowing you've both gone through it and you've both been best friends growing up and that allows you to be stronger in a way? Well, I can't speak on behalf of Troy, but I just want to say like how proud I am of him. I mean, it's like, he's like a brother to me and like a best friend growing up. I think Tro- Troy and I first spoke about our mental health journeys when I first sort of came out as it were, about yeah. sort of five plus years ago. And Troy, I think, was just trying to find his feet in that sense. I think Troy's battled for you know a lot of his life. But I think the last couple of years, I mean, I can't speak for him, but I think the last couple of years has really come to a head and he's really managed to sort of hone in on what it is he needs to do to sort of make himself better and take ownership of his mental health. And I I'm, I'm so, I'm, can't be prouder of him to, to come on here and share his stories, which we'll get onto in a minute. But um, 
just my personal point of view, I just want to thank you for coming on, mate. Really, you know, really brave to yeah, come on and share your story. So, um, yeah. Have you found it hard sort of talking about it publicly as a whole and like doing things there? Because this is what we talk about quite a lot is our first episode, if you actually like watch it back, we're both like really struggling in a way to kind of mm. talk about it because mm. it's the first time publicly, like throughout the back of my mind the whole time, I was just thinking, are people just going to judge me for this? Like what's going on? But now we're at this point where it's actually benefited us massively being able to talk openly, meet people like yourself, meet people like Anna Lee last week, Alex Bowen, like having all these people on, it's, it's been great. Have you found it hard sort of being more open about your mental health, whether that's in terms of talking about your story, which we're going to get onto very mm. soon, uh, with family, with friends, or is it kind of, you know, been quite nice being able to be open to people like Joe and be like, this is what I'm going through and knowing that you have someone there to, you know, listen and really appreciate you for doing that. Yeah, I mean, talking with Joe is one thing because he's just been so understanding and open since the beginning, since day dot. You know, I could, I, I, he's the sort of guy that I've always picked up the phone to. I've always called him, sorry, and he's always answered or always got back to me. So it's really, really easy, you know, to talk to him. It's very rare to have a best friend, you know, who can listen like that. Yeah. But just now in this environment, even like the thought of trying to like express myself now, like my mind is sort of racing a little bit because suddenly I feel really, really anxious to be able to like talk about it. If it was me and Joe in a room right now, I have no issue at all. But it's sort of, you know, going out there, putting this online and stuff like it's, it's a very, very difficult, difficult thing. So mm. I'm actually just sort of processing it right now yeah it is quite scary especially when there's like cameras and like bright lights and stuff I, the first especially the first few times i was like really dreading yeah actually sort of doing the podcast yeah. especially hosting it there's a few times when i was like is this is this what i kind of want to do like just keep yeah. putting this online but then i think the way i sort of look at it now is the amount of response we've had yeah. from personal dms of people who are friends of mine that I had no idea were struggling with things mm. they're like just wanted to drop you a private line saying, listen, I'm going through the same thing. I really appreciate that. That kind of motivates us now, doesn't mm. it, to keep keep this going. And I hope there's something like that for you where you look in your DMs and you see an old message from a friend and you're like, oh, wow, I never knew that guy was going through the exact, or girl was going through the exact same thing I was. Yeah. And it's sort of like a reassuring feeling knowing yeah. that you've helped them in a way. I think also, I think just being able to share stuff and sharing your story and just coming to terms that I think that can be quite a cathartic sort of therapeutic experience. I know I found that mm. on the first episode. I thought just by coming on here and sharing like like-minded stories, millions of other people can relate to. And I know that Troy's situation would be very similar to that. There'll be thousands of people in our case, hundreds of followers yeah. that are gonna look, watch his story and go, wow, it's amazing how a guy could just be that open and just be completely sort of transparent about his experiences. And there'll be many, many people like with you and me and you and Annalie and Alex mm. who'll just go, wow, it's, it's so cool. Those guys can just go on there and have a sort of really nice sort of chilled open, open conversation about conversation, what their experiences yeah. are. And, you know, and then there'll be many people that can relate to it. So um, yeah, I can't wait to get stuck in, mate. What you touched on at the start was family problems, anxiety, depression mm. as well. Is that something you've, you've gone through? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, w I wouldn't know how to necessarily diagnose it. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's, you know, it's not black and white mm. with that stuff. Um, like I said, I had I had an amazing childhood. I went to a great school, had some great friends. Mm. My dad's an amazing person. Um, and uh, I have no complaints, really. Like, I, there's so much, you know, actual shit in the world. And I had, like I said, I had food on my table all the time. Um, but in terms of like a conventional uh family it was never the case for me so 
you know, it created a little bit of instability, you know, especially as I got older. When you say you didn't fully really had a conventional family, what exactly do you mean, you, do you mean by that? Because obviously I know your background, but for those listening and watching, my right. heart, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, obviously I had, my, my dad was around, you know, he was, you know, a very strong, uh, strong figure in, in my life, you know, always there. Um, my mum passed away when I was six. Um, and I had, you know, nannies and, you know, people I called mum and, you know, mm. people were coming in and out of the house looking after me and stuff like that. I had, I had some I had some stability with, you know, people who were always there, you know, Sally and these kind of people. Um, but I had two older brothers, stepbrothers. Uh, my, my parents were, you know, divorced. My mum died, a few houses in between, moving around a little bit. Um, so, yeah, in terms of in terms of the sort of insecurity and I, I I definitely did experience a lot of that and it, you know set some I'd say some negative foundations for you know trying to you know make your way in in life and and uh yeah definitely definitely created a bit of anxiety yeah, with school sure. and you know doing n normal things mm. what did you find it like because I've I've never moved house I've been like always in the same place I'm generally curious mm. Did you think that affects you moving house at a young age? And, you know, you said you were in two or three different houses. Do yeah. you feel like that's affected you in the long run or has that not really bothered you? I say the, you know, the moving, moving, the ha moving house materialistically is, you know, it, it can be challenging, but the, the real challenge is the instability. It's, it's the, it's in one family, in one house, you're with one set of family members and then you move and then you're with another. And then you're with another, so it's the, it's the it's the changing of dynamic of the family, which is the real issue, rather than actually moving to you know materialistically into a different mm -hmm. house. Um, you know, it can create a bit of instability. The houses were great; there's no complaints. You know, mm. running water, food, everything was good. But you know, when you you take yourself out of that environment, and then suddenly you know your brothers aren't there in the house, or your mum's not there. You know, it's it's you know it's difficult you go to a new school yeah it's just it, it creates a bit of insecurity instability with your with mm. your normal life trying to make new friends as well at these schools as well is tough do, do you feel like there was a certain way you coped with the sort of loss of your mum or you know your brother's not being there in certain aspects yeah. was there a way you, you coped with that or looking back at it or a way you kind of cope now from that experience no not at all and I think that's what you know part of my French but really fucked me up for you know many years because there was no there was no coping with you know losing a mum you know I was six years old so yeah. you can't really process what the role of the mum is at that age especially when they're sick she was sick for a long time so but then when that's taken away from you and you sort of just crack on with life you know things were slightly different it wasn't so long ago but things were slightly different back then mm. so yeah, I think, uh, yeah, in terms of coping, the main issue was not having the mechanisms in place to to cope with something like that. Mm. In terms of like, by mechanisms, you mean like talking, maybe that was like a therapy type thing or, or sort of having the foundations to, you know, be open about how you're feeling. Because is that what you mean by sort of different then to it is now? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Like, you know, death, death is this very, very scary thing. You know, it's fear. Yeah it's so um intense like the thought of death and people dying is, is horrible um but it's because it's like it's a really really hard subject to talk about you know yeah for sure do um, you think, sorry to interrupt i think do you think 
when you lost mum, did you feel like the, the people were in place for you to talk about that kind of thing with going forward into your sort of, certainly at the age of six, but certainly into your teenage years, into your sort of young adult years, do you feel like there, there was an open forum for you to talk to, say, your dad or your brothers or your sister, obviously, or not? Um, I think, I think they, they make themselves available and they always say, oh, I was available and all that stuff. But, you know, as a six-year-old, my sister was nine at the time as well. You know, you know, it's um, it's uh, you know, you 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 got it. You got to be nudged like right to the edge to get it all out. You know, whether that's like a crazy tantrum or like crying, you know, intensely or screaming or whatever it is, it, it doesn't just come out on its own. So it, it in that situation, you know, when you lose a parent, it really does require when you're when you're that age specifically, it really does require somebody to 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 grab you by the hand and just say, look this is the cards you were dealt like you got to deal with this you know this is life this is what happens but giving you that chance to sort of mourn and grieve openly yeah it's it's really important so i'm not sure that i necessarily did have that but uh you know growing up as i got older you know i realized that you know there are a lot of people to talk to and mm. better late than never really yeah i agree do you think being older now more mature in a way uh, especially the past few years. Are you 28 now? 29? Yeah, 28. Yeah. So going through up approaching 30, is that something you're trying to sort now in a way? Is like like you said, better late than never, being able to talk. Are you, are you mm. finding that's helping you a lot? You know, whether that's talking about how you're feelings or, you know, I read this study the other day and it was, is it better to talk about it or is it better just to forget about it and not open a, open a open a wound is that the thing yeah like rip the band-aid yeah, off, yeah. rip mm. the band-aid off what, what's your view on that you think that it's helping you a lot because i know i know it helps us massively being able to talk about it and i'm actually the opposite of if i don't take that band-aid off and address it it's always in the back mm. of my mind yeah i mean it's um just looking back like the the impact not having a mum has had on certain things that i've done you know growing up it's uh it's it's pretty significant so it's so it's such old news now that it's really really hard to to attach much emotion to it. Mm. You know, it's it's very rarely that I, I feel sad about it. Uh, in terms of ripping the bandaid off, um, I think the bandaid is off. It's just about whether you know I feel comfortable talking to someone about you know what happened and uh, you know losing someone. It's it's uh, it makes you quite exposed. Um, so I, you know, I can have really, really open conversations with my girlfriend and Joe and very, very small amount of people. Um, and you know, I saw you said something in your podcast when you were like, when you're a guest, you can sort of unload. It, it feels like taking these opportunities to sort of unload as much as you can in a mm. short period of time, you know, it does give you some relief. So yeah, it does. In, in that sense, yeah, it, if you can find an opportunity to talk about it with people that you're comfortable with and take that opportunity That's by the all best means. Thing. Right and get a point of view from them as well. Yeah, Obviously, 100%. no one can experience what you've gone through, but I think yeah. just by having someone listen is normally the best. That's why I always say about my girlfriend is just when I have a problem, I, I said I think I said this to you when we did our second yeah. one, and I was like, yeah. I feel like I don't want to burden her by telling her these things, and you were like, you're not burdening her. You know, sh they love you, and they're there to help you. They're not going to, mm. you know, be like, oh, it's fine, you'll forget about it. They're there to listen, and they help you when you actually have proper people who do care about you mm. i think it helps massively especially when you when you fully talk about 100%. it i also think it's it's keeping it relative i think you know troy's girlfriend's problems are relative to her and that's something yeah. that's going to harm troy that's, that's not gonna have a, a bearing on troy's life therefore getting him 
of getting hit, her to talk to, to Troy about her problems isn't, isn't a problem for Troy because it's not, it's not putting any weight on his life. So yeah. I think it's learning to realise that what you're saying isn't going to hold that person back and have an have a impact on them. Mm. I think Troy's in the same boat. Now he's found a few people that he's able to share his thoughts with. He's having a bit of a dark day and he, he's able to open up to whether it be me or his girlfriend or whoever, Cheska, his sister, then you know, that's the best medicine in my, mm. in my opinion. If And also it's square pegs around holes sometimes. Whatever, what I can help Troy with sometimes isn't necessarily what his girlfriend could and vice versa. So I think yeah. it's having a few people who you can open up to at times. I think it's really, really important. I'm glad he's found that. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's great. What advice would you give to someone who's gone through on gone through what you've gone through whether they're watching or listening because i know a lot of the time people do tune in because they can relate to the problem mm. we're talking about if someone has lost a parent because i know a few people watching this from my friend side personally have done they've lost a mum they've lost a dad mm. what advice would you give them from what you've learned now at age 29 i mean i think there's two really important lessons um firstly the the pain that you feel you know, it comes in waves, it comes and goes, you know, nothing's permanent. You know, your happiness is temporary, your your sadness is temporary. So if you can see that it comes in ebbs and flows, like it's, it becomes much easier to deal with, you know, mm. time heals everything. Um, and then the other one is finding the opportunities to talk as much about it as possible, you know, it's, uh, it's a very common thing. Um, everybody has their own, you know, scenarios, but you know, we're all on this, this world together we have so many similar stories yeah finding that one person or two people that you can just you know unload on it's it's fucking good man it just like you know takes takes a load of pressure off for sure and now um on the point of spain which we talked about before mm. how long ago did you move there i've been in spain uh moved there in 2020 2020 how's yeah. that been was that was that during after covid before yeah COVID? i literally moved there two days after the lockdown happened so i literally just got a flight straight away and i uh found a found an airbnb and i uh yeah i moved in and then they they locked down locked down the city so what I, was the reasoning behind that just you needed to just get away with a fresh start type thing or was that more like a planned i've always wanted to be in spain no, I like it there. no, really. no, no. I, Joe will know. You know, Joe can tell you my my life has has always been. Uh, there's no plan really. It's always been super spontaneous, which is that's you know, good. I not, like that. Not the best, not the best way to approach things. But I was I was living and working in Thailand. Yeah. And uh, the best time of my life, the best country I've oh, ever really? lived in. Yeah, just just incredible. What um, sort of like relaxed culture type thing? Just the just the people, the scenery. Um, you know, you you wear one pair of shorts for six seven months. It's <laughs> like, it's it's just like no place you've yeah, ever been. It. You know, and uh, obviously COVID came in, and you know we got the call from the from the government, uh, from the Home Office saying, you know, you guys have got to come back from Asia now. Like this is this is getting hairy. So I booked a flight back, um, and then yeah arrived in england and it was raining and it was miserable and everybody looked really really depressed and everybody was talking about this you know this pandemic coming in so i booked a, a flight to a one-way flight to mallorca um because I, I knew i wanted to be on an island as far away from the pandemic as possible and uh yeah that's how i ended up in the balearics in ibiza in, in mallorca in the sun as well yeah a little bit of sun Jealous. yeah i wish i did that <laughs> it just disappeared yeah. i was just sitting in the house all day like oh so so tell, tell us a yeah. little bit about for the again listeners that don't know about you or, or watching this about how you managed to set up the business that you have right now and obviously what happened more recently obviously for the business itself yeah so um uh 
I mean, I've been, I've been wanting to open up my own. The, the original idea was like a restaurant, like a late night restaurant. Yeah. Um, and uh, COVID sort of shifted my beliefs about, you know, how businesses sh should operate and, uh, you know, waking up earlier and going to bed earlier. Like it, it became it became a real important thing for me to be able to, you know, be in bed by like 10, 11 p.m., you know, and shut off from the world. Because before, you know, I was, you know, working in the nightlife industry. So it was a lot of late nights and uh, it definitely did take its toll. So the original plan was obviously to open a restaurant. Um, I met my business partner in the UK and uh, he said, look, we've got uh, this opportunity to do this coffee business. Uh, let's open a cafe. And I said to him, look, I'm not going to, you know, put any money in unless we unless we do it in Ibiza, because it's the most amazing place. You know, the Balearics, uh, that's where you can build a proper business out of um with the right culture you know being in the sun it was it was the right thing to do so we um yeah we opened our first branch uh in in ibiza in santalaria and uh yeah it was it was going i wouldn't say swimmingly but it was going you know it was going good um and uh we expanded the site after about six months so you know we have a really really strong customer base nice, and uh then this year august 14th we had a really catastrophic fire which uh which caused uh, you know a lot of damage to both floors. So, you well, know, the whole restaurant, yeah, cafe, but oh, yeah, man. two two floors um, on a, on a Monday, in the middle of August as well. You know, so we we're doing some really good revenue. You know, it was full swing of uh, summer. You know, it's a seasonal place, um, and then we had a fire. So you know, it was eighteen months of an uphill battle to get to a point in August where we were sort of, I wouldn't say cruising, but we were you know we we're finding our mm. gear, and then uh, yeah, this fire happened, and uh, yeah. What's that like mentally when you've put 18 months of work, mm. money, you know, in a place you've only been living a couple of years into arguably your dream with your yeah. business partner and it just burns down over, what What was it, like a... Yeah, gas. Something gas. gas, gas yeah. yeah, it was actually a mistake, to be honest. Um, How was that mentally? That must have been quite frustrating for you. Yeah. Um, the, the reality is, is like you know the the lessons you learn from from opening your business is is like no other it's better than any school university you could ever go to um it's it's seriously intense and it, a business brings out the best and the worst side of you it really really does play to all your you know your strengths and weaknesses um and uh, brings out all your characteristics so you know for 18 months pushing this thing uphill you know not taking a salary like putting every single pound I ever had into this business to try and make it work and then for it to be you know taken away like that and pretty much left with nothing not being able to pay rent not being able to pay phone bills and all this stuff it's uh it's it's intense like i remember the, the day it happened you know going in and uh you know sw sweeping the water because the, the the firefighters they flooded the place so sweeping the water off and it was just this weird eerie silence and i can't i can't ever describe that feeling it was like it was like uh yeah it was it was traumatic it felt it, it's it was you know you're grieving it's almost like when you lose something yeah. or someone you know whether that's an animal or you know or, or anything and, and it, it really did feel like that it was a weird weird silence and it was sort of like trying to collect yourself and you know figure out what the what the next route is but i was grieving you know for about about a week two <laughs> weeks after that and you were back is it is it back up and running now? No, it's closed uh, for now. We, we couldn't open uh, again this year. Um, we've got some amazing plans for the new year, but uh, we closed the one in Ibiza. We, we'll open it in, again in March, but yeah, yeah, we just have to take our time with that one. What's it like in terms of being in Spain for your mental health? Because this is something I'm generally curious about. Is I feel like a lot of people in the UK are just very depressed, mm. very down. I mean, the weather's mm. awful. It's dark at like 
four o'clock at the moment. Mm. What's it like actually coming back to the UK from living in Spain? Is there a big difference in like how people feel out there? I mean, what I saw on your Instagram it just looks amazing all the time. Like it's sunny, you're next to the beach. Like yeah. it's a great life. Everyone looks healthy. And then you come back to the UK, in my opinion, from if I've been on holiday and come back to the UK, I look at everyone, everyone's just pale. Get me back to Spain. Yeah, and I'm just like, wow. Like You don't realise it until you've yeah. gone away somewhere for like maybe two weeks and you come back and you're tanned and everyone else just looks really miserable, pale, and like it's dark at four o'clock. What, what, what's yeah. it actually like being out there? Well, I, I take it back a little bit. Like growing up, you know, had had these challenges and struggles and one, one of the major things was just looking out my window and just, you know, seeing darkness and grey and yeah. I just thought it was really shit. I really did. Like every day I remember just getting the train and being wet and seeing people's face. I just thought this this can't be the life. So I always tried to find, you know, I, I moved to Sydney to live there for a bit. I always tried to find places which is, which is, you know, sunny. And that's like something I've always tried to, you know, talk to my nephews about or any person who's younger than me is just, you know, leaving school now. Um, like home is not home where you think home has to be like, you can go out there and find a new place, especially if the sun does it for you. There's a lot of countries and a lot of places out there where you can be outside most of the time and the impact it has on your, you know, your, your happiness is, is crazy. Mm. Uh, just the biology of being out in the sun and getting the vitamin D, you know, in your hair and your, you know, in your skin, like it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's facts, you know, just look how much more healthy he <laughs> looks man, compared to us. We'll probably go <laughs> watch on the camera being like, this guy just looks like a different person. <laughs> than everyone else. No, what, what I would say about Troy saying is I used to, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, mate, but I used to think Troy was sort of running away from his responsibilities a little bit by going all, this tra all these travels. I've, again, I've known Troy for uh, forever. And when I used to see him going to Asia and Australia, I thought when Troy goes through something bad, I thought he's just running away. But actually, the more I've got to know him more recently, and I think actually he's, he's just born to be in the sun. He's born to be by the ocean, you know, with next to the waves in a sort of not so built up, dark, dingy yeah. place. And the more I've got to know him and seeing him settling in Spain, is you can see he, that's just what he's born for. Yeah, home is where the heart is, and his heart is by the sea. It's by the water. It's in the sun. That's where he's meant to be. It's not meant to be in a you know tower block flat in London, as nice as that might have been from growing up in <laughs> London. But like that's just where he's supposed to be, mm. and that's what I my fault was judging him for that thinking he's just running away but actually it's just where he's meant to be yeah, so, yeah. i love it i was listening to um <clears throat> just before i forget we were i was listening to gary brecker you heard of gary yeah, brecker yeah. the 10x guy have you heard of him mm. uh, he was on the joe rogan podcast and he was saying how the human body is supposed to be outside 85 percent of the time and it's supposed to be inside 15 percent. but at the moment especially in the uk and the us people are inside 97 percent of the time and outside three percent and he was like, that's not how your body is supposed to be. And all, all jokes aside, just from knowing you like 45 minutes, there's such a big difference in like mm. how we all look and everyone behind the scenes to compare how you look if you're outside all the time in the sun. Like you look like 10 times healthier than all of us. <laughs> it's not rocket science, Thanks, is Tom. it? I think it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I just think like the, being in the UK is just like I came on before is very like dark. It's very wet. You can never really get a good flow if you want to go outside. One yeah. day it's snowing, the next it's 30 degrees out. And I think that's actually quite a negative in terms of mental health as a whole, especially for me. Mm. Like we talked about seasonal disorder, is it? Yeah, sad. Se seasonal, yeah, seasonal, disorder. seasonal affected disorder. That's something I think I'm struggling with quite a lot, Is especially when the clocks went back. I really struggled with um, my routine and getting in a good mental health like space, if, if you could say that. 
And uh, at the moment, I've really struggled with getting to grips. It was only like three, four weeks ago, I think it was the clock change. I could be wrong. But I think, like I said before, being in a country like that, the community of people is where everyone on the... My favourite place is Lisbon, which obviously is not in Spain. But um, everyone on the streets is happy. Everyone's just, you know, it feels like a community. Mm. I feel like when you go to places like Ibiza, you know, whether it's Lisbon in my point of view, being part of that community makes makes me happy. And my mental health is always better when I come back or I'm there. Is that Have you felt like being part of that community in Ibiza or being part of that community when you're in Thailand has helped you sort of cope in a way? You know, you talked about not coping very well. But I actually think in a way that kind of is coping. You know, being part of a community, being in a place you love, um, waking up to these amazing views in the sun. Do you think that's helped you being part of a proper community like that? Yeah, I mean, the the number one thing that I can really vouch for is just being outside, like any excuse to be outside so you can take inspiration and, 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 and find energy from being outside, you know, trees, mm. plants, whatever it is. It's, it's so important. It's one of the main reasons why I got a dog is because I just felt like going outside, you know, f- just walking aimlessly was really, really ch- challenging for me. But with my dog, like I, we, we adventure, we, we go see things. And that was one of the reasons why I love Thailand a lot, you know, pre pre dog, you know, I was walking around everywhere in the same swim shorts like for six, seven months straight. Uh, it just, just being out and adventuring, you know, how us humans are supposed to be. You yeah. know, it's our nature to explore, to adventure. And uh, yeah, walking to and from the restaurants and bars and whatever, it, whatever you know, the gym, yeah. it's, it's so important. You, you don't get the same stimulation walking down the high street, you know, in, in to your gym, to your house when it's raining and it's gray, but uh, you know, getting outside as much as you can. Mm. Yeah, you know? Love that. Thinking about the gym, what impact has being physically active done for you? Because I know that you and I speak a lot about this and you growing up, Troy was a very talented footballer, but gym was never really a, a thing for him. What kind of impact has joining the gym and being physically active had on you the last couple of years? I, I, I realized I've got a huge, this is only in the last 18 months since having a business, I realized I've got a huge chink in my armor and that's um, that's aggression. Like I have, I have some real, issues with aggression and handling certain situations and uh i think that's you know that's various different reasons from you know growing up and i think a lot of people experience that as well they don't know how to channel challenge channel their anger and certain things trigger them and uh i found certain things were really really triggering me and there was no uh healthy way to combat those or, or, or you know i was going down mm. the, the wrong route so the gym was just for me to just escape go and put put my headphones in and just you know smash out a few sets um i'm still waiting for that gym routine by the way. <laughs> three years of uh, you know i asked him september 2020 I'll, I'll never <laughs> still waiting still waiting he's, he's planning yeah. it it's really yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> that'd be a fucking good session <laughs> we yeah. always talk about it though, don't we yeah. that's sort of like that's why we gym that's why in a way that's why i play rugby mm. that's why i guess that's why you play rugby yeah. as well mm. as like that's an out for me and i go home and i know i'm you know, things aren't going to bother me as much. Yeah. And it does scare. I took a hit on the head on Saturday, got concussion from it. That does really bother me. It's just like the idea that I might not be able to play something, whether it's even for a few weeks, because yeah. I do become a different person. Mm-hmm. Every time I've had a shoulder surgery or an ankle surgery, you know, I become quite nasty to be around, whether that's, you know, not like in a malicious fighting way, just like very on edge all the time very snappy very yeah, aggressive you need to get stuck into something yeah you do i really i really think you do whether that's gym 
well, I love the CrossFit stuff as well. I think more my competitive side is like looking at like high rocks and things like that yeah. when I'm not playing, being part of that environment where you are channeling your aggression in somewhere. So when it comes to business, you're, you know, you have a level head and you're not reacting off how you feel. You're reacting off what actually needs to be done. Yeah. I think that's so important. Definitely. Coming, coming, but I wanted to come back to the point before I forget um, on your family. It's, Christmas now, and Christmas is a very tough time. I had quite a few facts and figures here I'll share in a second about Christmas and families as a whole. Do you find Christmas quite a tough time, you know, coming back to the UK? Or is it is it something that you actually, you know, enjoy, fully embrace and enjoy? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. Christmas is this weird event is, yeah. where it's like so family orientated. Yeah. And then for those who haven't got the, the perfect family set up, um, I, I honestly remember um growing up and and seeing like these perfect families family christmas holidays like the the perfect you know the the christmas day opening presents the boxing day and all that stuff and uh you know i was i was always like i i, I want that like that's that's the perfect scenario for me um we, we typically don't do a, a family uh a family christmas together it's not it's not it's not mm. usual um i'm always away um in various places um this year actually is the first time that I'll be with my sister and my, my old man and my, my little sister. Um, but uh, it's a very, very weird time for, for people. Um, yeah, I, I find it, it can bring out a really, really awful part of you, which is feels very, very, you know, longing for something that will never happen. Yeah. You know, so it's very, very tricky. Yeah, I feel like Christmas is a tough time. So some of the stats I have here is a survey found that over 60% of people feel like spending time with family is the best part of Christmas with around one in three people report feeling more lonely during the Christmas season, particularly those that have lost loved ones or are far from family. I feel like it's this sort of like either or. There doesn't seem to be much of it in between. It's either like Christmas can be stressful if, you, if you lost a loved one, if you know, you've gone through a divorce, if you not close with your family if you moved away and on the other hand it can be seen as like great i think it's one of those weird times where like i said before you're either very happy mm. or it's it's a stressful time mm. especially financially as well a lot of the christmas well i found for myself especially buying gifts this year i was like financially quite stressed out and that's not good for my mental health as a whole like it's in the back of your head you know that whole financial stress of it but yeah. w what's your what's your kind of view on you know, the finances behind Christmas, 30% of people report financial stress is causing them to actually not enjoy Christmas as a whole. You know, arguably one in three people. That's pretty, pretty tough to go through at the moment as well. I mean, look, realistically, if you're, you're a proper family and, and uh, you know, you've got your cards on the table, people know your situation. Yeah. You can just send a message and say, look, my, I'm not liquid right now. But the pressure of, you know, keeping up this charade of, you know, happy families, I think I think it's I don't think it's real. I think I think you've got to be completely honest. Presence is just presence in Christmas. It's just a really, really weird concept. Yeah. The whole thing to me, honestly, it's very, very peculiar. I get it as a gesture. It's amazing. You can do sentimental things for really, really cheap. Um, they can be, you know, time consuming, but, you know, you can create photo albums as well for five, six, seven quid or whatever oh, wow. it is. I've set the rules with my my missus this Christmas as well. We said, look, we, we we're not liquid. We can't get each other yeah, these yeah. nice expensive gifts. And you know, um, last year she got me an Apple Watch, and and uh, you know, it's just it's just not possible this year. So we're doing a sentimental gift for each other, Love that. and that's it. Love that. Coming back to um, the facade around family, and I know this is very close to your heart. Is 
talking about love, like love and loss and grief is something again far closer to home for you and more recently is is Justin so for those that don't know about about Justin tell us a little bit about you know what happened to you with your family and and, and Justin itself obviously we're on that situation yeah uh Justin uh Justin was my older older brother um stepbrother half brother um so this from my mum's side same mum um and then uh you know in, in 2018 he um you know he he took his own life so it's uh it's a very very weird even now just trying to talk about that I've, I've never actually I don't think I've ever said that sentence which is very very strange yeah. um and uh yeah just a just a crazy crazy event which you never expect to happen um and uh yeah it's you know that's that's a sort of life changing thing that you know you keep keep with you forever um yeah Justin you know we I've got another older brother Umar Umar, Justin, my sister, and then my little sister. Um, but out of everyone, I think, you know, it's fair to say that the connection with, between me and Justin, you know, was really, really strong. People say, people have challenged it and said, uh, why, you know, why was it, why why him? Like, why were you so close with him? But I think it's really hard. Sometimes you can't really describe connection. Sometimes connection is just connection. You know, mm -hmm. how sometimes you meet your soulmate and you just you just vibe. Um, so yeah, I mean, Justin was sort of my, my person, you know, he was, he was, uh, the person I wanted to be around all the time, the person I looked up to. So, uh, yeah, it was a, a pretty, pretty tough pill to swallow. How's that been sort of dealing with it? You said it was the first time you properly talked about it is in a way or said that sentence is now, how does that kind of feel, you know, addressing that oh, it was five and a half, five years ago now? Yeah. How, how, how is it feeling five years on from that sort of situation? Has your mindset changed around it? Um, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's caught me off guard a little bit because you sweep these kind of things mm. under the rug. You time, time moves and you learn to, to live. You learn to just continue with your life. But the reality is, is that like, there's a huge part of your life, which is not there anymore. So there's moments, you know, when you you really really feel it but the show must go on is like a phrase that i always say to myself speak, not, sorry go, go on, go on. i don't necessarily think it's the most healthy way to to deal with things um but uh yes yeah, it's, it's a really good question and you know five six years I c even you just saying that now I, c I can't really believe that that's how much time has passed you know yeah. it feels like yesterday that you know we were we were laughing on the phone together but then at the same time, it's like a whole lifetime you've lived without them now. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, I just want to say, we, we spoke, we spoke, I oh, thank you for that, by the way. That's yeah. obviously really hard That's for you to cool. talk about. So I think we speak about therapy a lot on this. And I've, I've been very open about my struggles and, and Tom as well, about our journey through therapy and about sort of um, kissing a few frogs to find the right one. I think that's what the phrase I used in the first one, is how, what role has therapy had on you? Because I know that you you were seeing someone for a while in, in, in a therapy realm. What did that, how that manifest in you or what kind of therapy did you go down or that kind of thing? It, it was important at the time to, to unload as much as possible. Mm. Um, I actually don't think therapy is for everyone. I really don't and I think Temp it worked for me temporarily, but um, was that sorry? Was that face to face with one person? Or was yeah, it, yeah, face to face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's uh, 
I think, I think um, channeling your own thoughts and you know working on yourself um, is really really important. I think the therapy really really does help to bring out you know bad situations uh, and a lot of grief uh, sh shortly after. Um, I, the irony is like in the last three months, I've I found a I found a method which has just completely changed my life, and it's and I and my friend just suggested to me after the fire actually on a whim he just said look you're at rock bottom now um just get yourself a he actually bought me a book and he, it was empty book and he just said just write some stuff down and the irony is is that this has been the, the most helpful thing for me i think everybody's different but having a book and just writing my shit down has really really helped me i wish i i wish i knew or i wish i used that at the time you know five six years ago that would have been the best outlet for me um, but uh, yeah, it's funny that I've only just discovered that now. You know, at 28 years old, better than ever. Does yeah. it feel like a release? Is it, that's journaling, right? Journaling. Yeah. yeah. Does that feel like a release my, when you my, do? My it? girlfriend calls it journaling. I, I, no. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> my little pink fluffy bed. <laughs> Does that feel like On a release? On the bed with my yeah. legs in the air. <laughs> no, it's uh, you, you know what? It's actually I I, I actually call it sc scripting. scripting. I don't know if you heard of scripting before. But um, I, I talk about how like I want to feel, you know. I talk about how where I want to be, and I and I always reference, you know, not, not having a mum and losing my brother like that, and not having the most straightforward family life. And I always reference uh, how I can change my. I can't do anything about the cards I was dealt, but the only thing I can do is now change my decisions. I have full control over my decisions and how to shape my life. Uh, and, and create the things that I want to create. And that's why I call it scripting. Other people call it scripting. And I learned how to do it. And it's about where I want to be. Um, and I want, you know, the family, the, the, the conventional family, you know, the, the, the mum, the dad, husband and wife, the kids, um, you know, the stability. That's what I want. You know, I don't want any of this shit anymore. That's why I found the scripting really, really relieving because it gives me so much hope that I can actually ha affect and impact, you know, how I, how I want my life to be. Last thing we wanted to talk about was what some of the main, you know, lessons you've had from 2023 as a whole. Now we're coming to the end of the year. The the important lessons are patience, patience in a lot of scenarios. You know, patience is really, really important when you're dealing with with tricky situations. Um, and yeah, just taking a step back and just, you know, thinking there's a reason why all of this is happening you know it allows you to plan and you know uh structure your life in a in the in the way that you you need to um to react to you know certain situations but i, I really do think uh for me personally patience was, was something that i need to needed to learn mm. what would yours be i'd say probably being less hard on myself when i make mistakes um I'm used to be very, very hard on myself. I probably still am a little bit. Um, and taking a step back and slowing down a little bit, I think, as well. Taking stock sometimes, which I'm probably not very good at doing. But yeah, mm. probably those two. Love that. I think mine would probably be just backing your intuition. Like, you know yourself better than anybody. And I'd always let outside noise sort of dictate what I was doing. But if I have a vision, just go for it. And when you go for it, just go balls to the walls. Like, don't listen to what everyone else is saying. Everyone's going to tell you, oh, you could do this better, but no one's been in your shoes. 
no one knows what you're going through or why you're doing it trust what's the purpose is yeah trust yeah. your gut that would probably be my main one the next question i wanted to ask was going to 2024 do you have any goals set for 2024 or where you want to be by the end of the year or is that kind of spontaneous as you said the rest of the stuff you're doing is at the moment well i think you take certain actions and then you end up in different different paths but mm. you know the the main goal is to be you know su you know obviously super liquid um having a lot of freedom you know with my my girlfriend i want to be able to spend a lot of time with her my dogs as well um and that runs you know with having a really really smooth operating business um and yeah just getting everything back up and running really we've got amazing plans for for naked ground naked grounds the, the coffee mm. company uh for the new year um a lot of it is based in the uk as well um so so yeah just having that really really you know efficient and, and working smoothly smoothly is uh is is where i want to be love that um probably really honing in on my business um making it slightly more financially feasible for myself to sort of do a bit more and have the financial freedom mm -hmm. i think a bit like what troy said and then secondly getting out there and getting a summer job working for naked ground i think but after after what it sounds like working out there i think I'm gonna get you're hired <laughs> <laughs> i love that i'll yeah. be sick oh, 2024. to be fair i've asked a question though I, I wouldn't say i've even sat down and had a proper think but i'm i'm quite spontaneous like that in a way it's like yeah. i feel like next week i can meet someone and yeah that would change my whole trajectory on the way i go whether it's in business or my personal life but i say for 2024 as a personal goal is to keep doing what I'm doing and not backtrack. Mm. You know, it, I've started something, whether it's this podcast, whether it's, you know, the mental health sort of business that I want to start in a, in a few months time, go for it. Like I'm at this stage in my life where I'm, I can go for it. And I feel like, you know, a lot of the regrets I have from when I was a bit younger have been when I've half-assed things yeah. or when I've, you know, not fully committed. I think my goal for 2024 is you know, it's it's cringe to say, but being the best per version of myself and just going for it. And if I do mess it up, it gives me the peace of mind that, you know, I, I gave it my best shot. That's probably going to be my, my main goal. Love that. Awesome. That's coming on, Troy. Appreciate Thanks. it, brother.